Carrie. And I'm Diana. And you're listening to Fiction Kitchen, where we're cooking with inspiration from our favorite books, movies, and TV. Today we're going to talk about the fairy tales of the Brothers Grimm. Which we're finding is quite a wide topic. <laughs> yes. Which is I wonderful. Mean, ev- yeah. Everybody's fam- familiar with these, but... Some of them. <laughs> yes, I know, but yeah, like you can easily fall down a rabbit hole, we found. <laughs> Just yeah. learning more and more about like the origin of these stories and... Um, yeah, the, the connections to other stories. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. the The first publication came out in 1812, mm-hmm. but which I feel like is surprisingly late because they feel so old. Which they are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been from like a long tradition of storytelling, and um, that's how they came about in the first place. So the, the Brothers Grimm um, invited a bunch of storytellers into their home and um, transcribed these tales, and um, they're. I, they're not the first collection. Um, Perrault's The Frenchman, his, his fairy tales mm-hmm. came out 100 years earlier, but these are probably the most wi- widely known. Yes. And what's really cool is that the Brothers Grimm were collecting these stories, uh, well, for one, because folk tales and fairy tales were kind of coming back in style, but also because folk tales and fairy tales tell a lot about a culture. And so the Grimm brothers wanted to record these stories to get a sense of German national identity. Mm-hmm. And so it's really, really great is that um, because of their recording of these stories, it kind of sparked the, the basis of folklore studies, uh, the way that the Grimm brothers um, collected the stories and recorded them. Um, and, and then, you know, today, ethnography and... Um, cultural anthropology and folklore studies like those are really big deals um, to to discover more about a, a culture anywhere in the world yeah that's pretty interesting I like how um yeah you mentioned that like they're they're very German in feel because a lot of these stories you'll find across cultures you were saying like um, Cinderella is mm-hmm. a story from all over the world um, yeah. and a lot of these um, specifically they 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 told in France, but then they changed details to make it very German when they when they mm-hmm. transcribed these. Um, I read one account that they had gotten rid of a bunch of the the mentions of fairies mm-hmm. um, because that was very French, and they were at war with France at this time, <laughs> so they yeah. didn't they didn't want any of that in there. And then they added um, other things like um, there's some religious references that weren't that weren't in there to begin with. Yeah, and you mentioned yeah about the being at war with France, with France, and some places in Germany were occupied by France, and and so also the stories, the collection of German stories was a way to kind of stick it to the French, like yeah. <laughs> like we like a national solidarity and identity, like these mm-hmm. are our stories, you know, this is something that is very German, even yes. even like you said, if some of the stories originated in France or some of the people had heard them you know via French you know French people or French influence but yeah they the stories became German mm-hmm. because that and that's the beauty of oral tradition is that it morphs and changes with the culture and the time period and yeah it's really really it's re- really exciting to me like I've always been into fairy tales and folk tales so it's yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good, yeah, good segue. Like, how did you first, I guess, discover these or get into these? So I was born in Germany, and so we would, you know, visit castles like Neuschwanstein, which is in part what Cinderella's castle at Disneyland was designed after, but also tumble-down castles. Wow, so you really had, like, a first-hand experience. That's so cool. So, yeah, so I've always had this sense of wonder and just, like, love fairy tale and folk tales. But um, and not not just German stories, but all all cult like um, my <laughs> I'm looking at my books right now because we recently moved and like I have piles and piles and piles of books just like next to me in the living room and because we still need to get shelves and stuff. But like <laughs> a lot of them are folktale and fairy tale collections, like Russian and yeah, and German and just all cultures. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, ever since I was really little. Uh, I remember there was a a collection that I would pretend to read with a flashlight under my covers. <laughs> you know, I was I don't know how t- three years old or something. <laughs> but 
Yeah, but then also we were talking earlier about um, some of the shows I remember as a kid. So, <laughs> and so, so, so some of you might might remember these too. Um, but Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Yes. And that's, yeah. So <laughs> that was awesome. That was 1982 to 1987. Yeah, that was pretty great. I watched that yeah. too. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I have those images in my mind. And Shelley Duvall is, is awesome. Um, and actually, the first episode uh, was the Frog Prince, because when Shelley was was filming Popeye with Robin Williams, she was reading the Frog Prince, and she just started asking him about it. And then that was actually the first episode of Fairy Tale Theater was Frog Prince with Robin Williams in it. So that nice. that's kind of cool. Uh, but also the Japanese animation Grimm's Fairy Tale Classics or Grimm's Masterpiece Theater. Um, that was 1987 to 1989. And love, love that show. Yes, I have, I have memories watching that at my grandparents' house, and I, I don't remember it very well. Although you were humming the intro. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yes, and it like all came it's rushing been in my head back forever. to me. <laughs> I, I remember watching. I remember the traveling musicians of Bremen watching that yeah. at my grandparents' house. So yeah. yeah, that's just like one of those random childhood memories. <laughs> I know, but but yeah, so it's, it's a part of us, even though yeah. we don't remember. It. Yeah, it's buried in there somewhere. I had not thought about that in years, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> and then also Jim Henson's The Storyteller that was nineteen eighty eight, and John Hurt was was in that. Uh, who's the narrator okay. and the storyteller? I've not um, seen that. But some of those were German, based on um, Grimm's fairy tales, like Hans my Hedgehog and Sap Sorrow, and um, but anyway, so. Yeah, fairy tales, folk tales, love, love them. Um, even so much that uh, I think I was a teenager and I subscribed to Theosophy Society because, because I just thought different cultures and different religions and, you know, folk stories and, like, everything was awesome and just exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and one, uh, it's always stuck in my mind, the title of one of the articles in their uh, magazine what was called The DNA of Fairy Tales. And that was written, it was just a, like a short essay written by Renee Hall. Um, but just just that idea, the DNA of fairy tales. And that, that essay talks more about how they're connect, all, they can all trace back to like one's source perhaps the the Rig Veda religious text but like Hindu religious text but in my mind I always took it the DNA of fairy tales just more of like a not necessarily religious but just human you know yeah like just a a way to make sense of the world (laughs) yeah but like maybe not like a universal consciousness but Mm -hmm. like yeah, we're all people, and we all even different cultures, different experiences, different times, different settings. But yeah, like h- humanity is human. Like it's us. Like it's all of us. <laughs> so like that's why themes and motifs and and you know in stories. Yeah, they are show similar. up over and over yeah. again across cultures. Yeah, like you were saying about with Cinderella, like so many different versions, and yeah, it's. I think that is fascinating. Yeah, I do as well. Yes. Anyway, that's, that's my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes me, like, scribbly and happy inside when I think of fairy tales and folk tales. Scribbly and, and happy. I, like I, well, you know, I don't know how to explain <laughs> No, I know better. exactly yeah. what you mean, because I feel the same way. Yeah, I, I yeah. love... So you tell us now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I also, I also have always been enchanted by, um, yeah. yeah, fairy tales and folk tales. And I, I remember... Um, my first time reading Grimm's fairy tales specifically um, was I have a 1992 version of the book, and I think that's when I got it. And so that's um, let's see, I was let's see, 11, but I think I was a little bit older. I think I was I was in middle school when I first read the actual stories, and mm-hmm. so I I fell in love with these because it was like the enchantment that I had always loved as a child. But I was, like, totally sucked into how, like, dark and violent they were, <laughs> which kind of gives you an idea of, like, what kind of kid I was. <laughs> but, no, I loved the, um, yeah, the, it's, it's just such a different, you know, and, and so I don't think it's any secret that, you know, the, um, the 
fairy tales are a lot different than the the Disney versions. <laughs> yeah. But um, but I was I was really into that, and I thought it was um, really interesting. And um, just reading more about it now, like these stories are not fit for children, and mm-hmm. they weren't originally meant for children. Like they were meant for entertainment. So a lot of them aren't even like really trying to teach a moral story. They're just, um, you know, a way to pass the time, you know, before TV, before podcasts, um, <laughs> you know, people were, were telling these, these stories. And because um, I was kind of trying to think of the themes. And so they're very different from like, you know, Aesop's fables definitely have like a moral. To well, e- that was political. To each story. Oh, like Aesop, yeah. Was yeah. Political. Well, I guess, yeah, there's, there's stuff. Well, there's other yeah. stuff going well, on. But yeah. I mean, to these, like I was thinking, you know, sometimes the good character gets rewarded and the evil character gets punished. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's like the the person who's the most beautiful, the person who's the most clever, like ne- not necessarily good, but can outsmart the, you know, um, mm-hmm. whoever the other person is. Um, sometimes they're just lucky, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's not really like a, um, like an, an outstanding characteristic to these people. You know, it's, it's just kind of like life. And sometimes it's really unfair. Sometimes very good people are starving or killed or you know bad things happen to them Mm -hmm. and it's not you know there's nothing they can do to stop that and that was just life (laughs) life life is harsh (laughs) and that's definitely reflected in these yeah and so food wise going on with that yes food is very prevalent throughout the stories because it is you know everybody needs to eat you know it's part of everyday life but a lot of them uh, just going off of what you're just saying has to do with want mm-hmm. like people who were starving like even good you know good people who had to go through these trials and then the fairy tale kind of builds around that situation that these people are in right right because that's like a very very real thing like you were worried every day where your food is going to come from and we're kind mm-hmm. of removed from that nowadays i mean sadly you know there are people that still have to deal with this but i mean not a whole lot of people nowadays are worried where their next meal is going to come from, mm-hmm. you know. So, whereas a large portion of the population um, was very, very worried about that. And the the Grimm brothers um, actually did go through a period of, of hunger. I was reading and let's see. I've got a lot of articles that I'll reference, and I forget which one this is specifically. But, you know, we'll post these in the show notes, of course. But I was reading about... Um, they they were pretty well off for most of their wi- their life, but they did go through a period of hardship. I think their um, father died of pneumonia, mm-hmm. um, and so they did go through a period of hunger. I think they they said they were having um, a cup of coffee in the morning and one meal. Um, it was like um, three portions split between five people once a day. Oh, wow. Once a day, yeah. So they they felt the hunger, and so that yeah, yeah that definitely shows up in a lot of these tales. It's it's like cutting the pea. And the yes, <laughs> like this, well, some of the old cartoons. It's like, <laughs> so, yeah. And then the mouse comes and takes the pee. That they're trying to get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they they experienced that hunger firsthand, even though they weren't even they weren't even like lower class, and mm-hmm. they were middle class people, and and they still suffered this. Yeah. So very much, and that goes yeah. back to yeah, the folk tales and fairy tales being. Very much a reflection, yeah, of of the the times and the, the lifestyles, and that and yeah, at that time, because like Hansel and Gretel, um, that is one that a lot of people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's right off the bat, it begins with they, you know, they had very little to live upon, and there's a dreadful season of scarcity in the land, and yeah, it's, their, and it's so yeah, sad. I mean, it talks about food. them. They were up at night crying from hunger, you know? It's it's really sad. And, I mean, you know, not to defend the stepmother, but, like, what do you do in that situation, you know? So, I mean, people had to make some hard decisions. And weren't you saying that, and perhaps in the 1812... The original story that yes. it was their mother. Okay, well let's let's yeah, yeah we can we can talk about that now. There's a new version that has just come out. Um, a new old version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think um, let's see, Jack Sipes, who is um, a professor of German literature at the University of Minnesota, 
um, has put out a new edition, which is a translation of the original tales, which, um, you know, even the tales I have read have had some really dark details, but this is even mm-hmm. more so. So I think in, in some of these um, stories, Hansel and Gretel and Snow White um, included the, the, quote, stepmother was actually their biological mother. Mm-hmm. And so I think they changed that detail because it was just too too dark, you know, that it was their actual yeah. mother who would do this to them. Um, and there's another story that I, I don't even think um, appeared in some editions, The Children of Famine, um, which is another story where the, um, the family is starving and the mother tells the girls that she might eat them <laughs> because she just yeah. doesn't, she's going, she's going crazy because of hunger. So it's scary. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at my copy. Mine's a 1981 publication, and so I'm, like, looking at table of contents to see. They, like, blur together. There's so many stories, and so even as I'm scanning to try to see yeah. if I can find, like, the children of famine, and they're all blending together. <laughs> no, there's a lot of stories. So and they, many. They, they, vary, yeah. they vary across editions, and then even, like, within the same edition, like, details show up in so many stories. Like, there's a lot of motifs that show up over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, magical trees... Um, yeah, unfortunately, like, eating children comes up a lot. Um, magical birds, stepmothers. Um, stepmothers show up because, um, that was very common at the time that women would die in childbirth, and so the, um... Yeah, the husband would remarry, and, um, like, a much younger woman who was almost, like, the same age as the kids. (laughs) Not, Mm -hmm. that, not that much older than the oldest children. Yeah. And that brings up a, a good point, too, that, um... You're talking about the similarities across stories. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to mention that there is a classification system that folklorists use, and it's really interesting. Um, But it's the Arn... I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Arn Thompson-Uther tale type index. Anyway, so that categorizes them like animal tales, fairy tales, religious tales, and, and others... Um, and then it breaks it down into like sub subcategories. Um, so, like with the, the stories that are like Cinderella stories that are similar across cultures, they're all you know grouped together. And then, um, yeah, like animal stories where, like with talking animals or anyway, or or that motif of like the hunger and the or the people being eaten or you know (laughs) so that kind of stuff anyway i i don't know all of the very specifics but it's kind of cool that um yeah all this came about because you know the the grim brothers originally recorded stuff and then other people started recording things and then it's like well we need to categorize them because there are a lot of similarities Mm -hmm. and yeah so anyway just wanted to put that in there that the like folklore all this stuff is like it's it's a real um study like it's really i i wanted to be a folklorist I, but anyway but it's it's not well i guess it could still happen but <laughs> anyway yeah you're well on your way with that, all this, <laughs> this reading <laughs> yeah so the similar so yeah stories so a lot of stories in uh collected by the Grimm brothers have that motif of starvation yeah like Hansel and Gretel and also um the story one eye two eye three eyes and there's one oh I wrote it down something about a tailor and a shoemaker who um oh the two traveling companions mm-hmm. so they go out traveling and the tailor runs out of food and the shoemaker does not help him and demands his eyes in return for food and so ends up tearing out his eyes for food yum man i can okay i cannot believe how like depressing this got <laughs> like when we were like oh let's do grim's fairy tales i had in my head oh like snow white and magical apples and um gingerbread houses and i'm like this is gonna be so fun and this is really really depressing dun, dun, dun. <laughs> because i cannot yeah. yeah i can't believe like how many of these stories are about starvation so. You mentioned Snow White, and well, and, and so Hans and Gretel can fall in a, a couple of different categories. Right. But the <laughs> temptation, so food, mm-hmm. so there's starvation, um, but also then it brings in food as temptation. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah, food is definitely a livelihood, but it's also it's also a joy. So yeah, this um, I think we were talking about um, 
you know, before we got started, um, stories where food was a temptation. So Snow White would be one because the, you know, the apple is so gorgeous. She has been tricked mm-hmm. twice already by this witch. She's not the smartest. Yes, the comb and yes, the yeah. bodice string. So she's yeah. not the brightest character. <laughs> so she she's already on the lookout for for trouble but still cannot resist this this gorgeous apple um you know in the story of rapunzel the um the the queen who's wanting a child um is craving this um rampion which is like a like some kind of vegetable it's like a salad or yeah or, let me tell you about yeah, it yeah you know me, all about it <laughs> <laughs> well no I, i'll try to keep my thoughts together but yeah well actually and so in the original story um she was just a common lady a common oh, okay. woman um disney made it that rapunzel was the daughter of a of a queen uh so in some versions of the story there's the rampion plant instead of rapunzel plant uh rampion it has spinach like leaves uh, but then it has a root that is similar to parsnips. So you might remember in Tangled, uh, they mentioned parsnips in the hazelnut soup. So that's pretty cool. But Rapunzel, that plant, uh, the German translation is lamb's lettuce or mache. Um, apparently mache is something that you can even get here in the United States that like just grows wild. Oh, okay. But I, could, I couldn't find any. You didn't so. go foraging? <laughs> no, I didn't go <laughs> Anyway, well, so, so yeah, so... so f- the reason why I looked up stuff about Rapunzel uh, is because for my fiction food blog, um, I'm I decided to try my hand at the hazelnut soup, which is mentioned in Tangled. Anyway, but so I started, like I said, the rabbit hole. Started going down the rabbit hole about <laughs> Rapunzel. But I remember uh, years ago reading a version uh, called Parsonette, or I think that's I think that's how you say it. yeah per- personette which is um, Italian and French variation. Yeah, or I so saw it's one, parsley. Um, Petrosinella was the one. Yeah. Um, in yeah one of the articles I read. Yeah, which is Italian for parsley. So. Yeah, parsley. So and that's so a good, that's a good example of how these stories so leafy green. translate across yeah. you know across cultures because you know mm-hmm. they had different vegetables in different countries yeah. and different climates so yeah and i've yeah. also heard it that it was cabbage yeah cabbage or lettuce but then yeah in the italian and french versions yeah it's parsley but which is interesting because if it's parsley um so there's this article by marina warner called rapunzel parsley and pregnancy uh-huh. and she did some research and apparently parsley when it's like in super heavy concentration uh, was used long long time ago to aid in abortion and i know about this because <laughs> i do because i know like when i was pregnant i was like i don't know i was drink i was drinking a lot of green smoothies and stuff and so i looked up are there any herbs i should avoid yeah and it's like yeah don't have a lot of parsley cuz that can be dangerous so yeah, if you have a sprinkle of parsley on your food, pregnant ladies, you'll be you'll be okay. But if you're if you're taking it by like the you know bunch, then you know watch out. <laughs> so that puts a whole different spin to the story. The pregnant lady who was sneaking parsley wanted to have an abortion. That so that's the this um, lady Marina Warner's take on it ah. is what what if the witch or she wasn't just the neighbor you know who had the parsley in the garden mm-hmm. was like well. Don't abort the child. I will adopt your child. Ah. So Personette or Rapunzel, you know, came from an unwanted pregnancy. And so that's why the woman who adopted her kept her in a tower or, you know, wanted to keep her from having the same thing happen to her. That's why she said no to men. Like, Like, don't go to the outside world because you could get pregnant too with an unwanted child you know so and that's really know, interesting because she does end up getting pregnant in the story <laughs> i know yeah so then we could talk about yeah <laughs> so in the 1812 the original uh, collected story yeah it's that rapunzel oh the, the prince yeah all these details rapunzel. are coming together yeah <laughs> some activity there in the tower and then <laughs> Yeah, Rapunzel's like, uh, my dress is getting Yeah, and it tighter. must have been an unwanted pregnancy because she was totally naive about it. She was asking, yeah, she, didn't know she was asking the woman, why are my clothes getting so tight? I don't understand what's going on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, wow. Okay. <laughs> so, so anyway, so that's just, you know, there's no way to know for sure, for sure, because it, this is like 
based on oral tradition, you know, up until the time that they were written down. So, you know. That seems it, pretty likely, though. But because, this is theories, and, yeah. Because I think that was pretty, like, you know, if I can dig up that fact in these times, you know, it's probably a pretty widely known fact at that time, you know. So mm-hmm. if it's appearing in the story, I think everybody knows what that means, and they don't have to give the detail because everybody knows. Like, you know, if she's eating parsley and she's pregnant, that's probably what, you know, yeah. is happening. Because so. honestly, that makes more sense. It does if make this, more sense. Because why would, like, oh, I so badly want this lettuce. I'm totally going to give you my kid. Like, Right. <laughs> well, I guess it was the husband, you know, in the, in the stories, or the versions that are more familiar, it's that the husband was afraid for his life. He's afraid that the witch was going to kill him. And so he's like, yeah, sure, sure. You can have a firstborn child. Just let me go. Like, And then the wife was just like, husband give me the lettuce you know or else i'm just gonna i don't know yeah fuss at you all the time i think her motivations are fuzzy yeah that doesn't make any sense yeah (laughs) all right i think we i think we cracked this case yeah yeah we can move on (laughs) no (laughs) but yeah i would yeah it is interesting just to delve in and no that's interesting because that's that seems like you know kind of a a dark detail that they probably wouldn't say you know they'll allude to but not be you know open about well because apparently so anyway marina werner speculates that maybe the Grimm brothers you know when they when the story was revised was it 18 the 1857 version or whatever anyway Mm -hmm. when the when it was edited that you know that they changed the herb or the plant to rampion or rapunzel because you know, that's like the king's cure-all. Like, that was a, a different type of plant that was, yeah, was also had medicinal properties, but wasn't, didn't have anything to do with, you know, abortions. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, yeah. Or, and they didn't want to say, oh, maybe this lady had premarital sex or was raped or what, you know what I mean? Like, right. for whatever reason she wanted to give. But anyway, we can move. We went to the story, but that was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, it's so what? What story should we move on to? That is oh, so. Many. I know. So yeah. Oh yeah. So Rapunzel. We've mentioned um, uh, Hansel and Gretel, but yeah, that was those poor kids. Mm-hmm. But they they got so yeah. If you're doing a party for <laughs> make a gingerbread house centerpiece for that one. <laughs> yeah. And then they mention what is it they mention or milk and pancakes are mentioned. Oh yes, so, bar- so yeah, sugar. So they're yeah. nib- they're nibbling That's on her temptation. house, and she yeah. comes out nibble nibble little mouse who's nibbling at my house. She takes them in and gives them pancakes and um, milk with um, apples and sugar and nuts, which sounds lovely, especially to poor children who have been out in the woods for three days with nothing to eat. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's almost... This story is, like, heartbreaking to me. You know? Yeah, because <laughs> their mom, their mom kicked yeah, their them out mo- of the Yeah, house. they were abandoned. Um, they yeah. were starving. And then it's just, like, such a nice meal for them. It's, like, exactly what kids would want, you know? So... Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah. So, but that kind of feeds back into the temptation thing. Like, so many times, like, they're drawn into this, you know lovely meal and it brings them nothing but trouble mm-hmm. so same with Snow White same with Rapunzel yeah yeah temptation and then also so there's so there's the starvation the temptation and also uh, so some stories don't have the temptation but they have the fulfillment. Yes. So sometimes food is just a nice reward. <laughs> well, I guess even the people who are tempted have the fulfillment, but it's like a bad... <laughs> it turns out to be bad, but then, yeah. So the, um, I mentioned the one eye, two eye, three eyes uh, a little while ago, mm-hmm. but that is one where uh, there's... So, so there's this lady who has these three daughters and the middle daughter uh, has two eyes, whereas the older and younger have one and three eyes <laughs> but they but they um persecute her because she's like common looking <laughs> it's just it's like 
really? You're so average. <laughs> it's so is yeah. It's so interesting. I guess because she was outnumbered. I don't. It doesn't say how many eyes the mom had. Maybe she had like ten or something. I don't know. <laughs> and what, what was the dad thinking? I, anyway, we don't know. <laughs> but um, but they they would only feed her scraps. Like so she. But she was, a lot of the uh, main characters in the stories are, like, pious and gentle girls. You know, like, really wonderful girls, but they have all this terrible persecution. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Like Cinderella. So, yeah. So she, uh, one day she went out and prayed, and an angel came and said, you know, basically, like, say this little uh, rhyme to your goat, and you will have a feast. And so, so that's what, so she would take her go out into the field and and then say this little rhyme and then she'd have this like awesome food and when i was reading that i was like hey that reminds me of greek mythology uh the goat amalthea who was like the nurse nursemaid or whatever um to zeus baby zeus because um this goat she goat would a nanny goat i guess (laughs) nanny anyway um would feed baby Zeus and that's also and then in one story it's that Zeus I don't know was getting rambunctious or something and like um, accidentally took off one of the goat's horns and that's where cornucopia comes from the horn of, horn plenty. of plenty is that yeah that um, food and stuff came you know came out of the horn anyway so maybe so maybe that you know the goat feet you know providing the feast maybe that is some remnant of greek mythology in the story or just the fact that a goat was a common farm animal that they (laughs) maybe it's a coincidence but anyway um but then they the sisters find out and then they the goat gets killed and then so no more feasts but then she has to and then the angel tells her to plant the innards the goat's guts, <laughs> and then a tree grows, and anyway, the and then the rest of the story happens. But yeah, so magical animals, yeah, and also um, burying yeah. things beneath trees—that's another thing. Yeah, that's a big shows thing. Shows up quite a bit. Yeah, in in Cinderella, mm-hmm. the mother was buried, and then the the tree grew. Mm-hmm. There is that what it was, or was or something? Uh, yeah, I think that's the the mother was buried, and that's where the tree grew. Yeah, and I, yeah. yeah, actually, in the the um in the German story, there's no fairy godmother. Um, the the dress comes out of the tree, like the um. Yeah, it's like a spirit tree. Yeah, <laughs> with little birds. Yeah. Yeah, but. little birds. I think was it a hazel tree, a hazelnut tree? I'm not what? sure. Maybe. Yeah, because hazelnuts were a big deal in German yeah. cooking back in the day. Um, one of my favorite stories is the juniper tree, and yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's burying bones under the tree in that story as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, the juniper tree was one of my favorites when I was a a kid, and I actually have um, a story about that, which was. I was in middle school in some kind of elective class, and I and I forget what it was, but we had to do a puppet show <laughs> that mm-hmm. was a fairy tale. And so, of course, like, you know, being the twisted little kid I was, I was like, oh, let's do the juniper tree. Like, everybody was doing one of the more um, well-known ones, and I wanted mm-hmm. to do this one. And so we made little puppets, and in the story, this the wicked stepmother, of course, um, slams a... A trunk on top of the little boy's head, and so we were we made the puppet head fall off. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that's pretty bad. Um, but yeah, this this story has a, a ton of the the tropes we mentioned. There's um, basically um, the the mother wishes. Okay, she is pricked by a spindle under a tree and a blood falls in the snow. Stop me if you've heard this one. Um, and she wishes for <laughs> a, um, a child as red as blood and as white as snow. Mm-hmm. She becomes ill during her pregnancy and as soon as the baby is born, she's so happy that she dies. But it's a little boy, it's not a little girl, it's not Snow White, it's the little boy in this story. Um, Mm -hmm. So, of course, the father remarries, and they have another child, which is a little girl. And the stepmother is super jealous of the little boy because she knows he'll get the whole inheritance, and so she has it in for him. And so, one day, when she sees the boy coming home from school, she tells the little girl, 
Um, to go get an apple, an apple shows up in the story as well. And so when he comes home, she tells him to go get an apple out of the trunk. And when he reaches in to grab one, she slams it on his head and knocks his head off. So she ties the head onto the little boy and tells the little girl to go give him an apple. And if he doesn't reply to her, then to give him a box on the ear, which she does. And, and, then and knocks his head oh. off. So she thinks she's killed him, and she's, like, um, distraught. Um, so the the mother takes him, she chops him up, and puts him into a stew. So one of the many instances of cannibalism in Grimm's fairy tales. And when the father comes home, she feeds it to him. Yeah, which, yeah, harkens back to the our first episode where we talked about Game of Thrones. That's right. The rat cook. <laughs> And, and also Greek mythology, yeah. Right. So. Yeah, so there's, yeah. So anyway, they, they, they bury the, um, they bury the bones under the tree. The little boy becomes a magical bird, um, and brings gifts to the, to the sister and father and drops a, a grinding stone on the mother's head. <laughs> yes. And becomes a child again. And so the, the father and the Aww. two kids live happily. Once ever. the threat was. Yep. Neutralized. Yeah, exactly, and they live happily ever after. So it has a happy ending. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that's definitely a food story. Yeah. The, oh, so like, yeah, lots, lots of those tropes pop up in this one. Like, there's the the apple, the um, the mother who dies in childbirth, the stepmother, the burying underneath the tree, the magical bird that gives gifts, um, mm-hmm. eating children, and there's also religious references in this one. It's um, the quote evil one that tells the um, the mother to slam the trunk on his head. Oh yeah, yeah, because yeah, there are a lot of religious yeah um, allusions yeah. in these stories, and again that is because it's you know Germany you know in the, in the time period you know so mm-hmm. Catholicism and Christianity yep. are very much. But then it is cool also that. There are mythology elements too, so like pagan. Yeah, there's that lots. Yeah, harken from an earlier time. Yeah, but they've and possibly even like those you know, motifs of state. Like, yeah. like you mentioned earlier, maybe like you know myths are in there as well. Like, yeah, Greek or Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of yeah, lots of different influences because these have been just passed down over time, and so whatever's kind of um, prevalent in the culture probably pops up in the stories. Yeah. So one of my favorite stories uh, growing up, or it's it's at least the title is one that has always stuck in my head. It's the Maiden Without Hands, and I, of all the stories, I don't know why that one is, you know, <laughs> like. But yeah, ever since I was a kid, the Maiden Without Hands—that's my favorite Grimm story. Um, and it's like, what is that? Like, who's ever heard of that one? But, um, but that's another one where it's the like the pious daughter, you know, who. She well in this one she's like so dutiful and you know, obedient that she even lets her dad cut her hands off. It's like what? <laughs> That's a little so, over the top. <laughs> yeah, but so there's this wizard that is wanting to take her away, and uh, anyway, just to kind of keep it short, like she draws a truck circle around herself, and you know she previous to that she had like washed herself really clean so and that and that's kind of religious i guess you know the as if he, the wizard is satan so right you know well that's she's also so clean yeah that's also like witchcraft <laughs> yeah also the yeah the white circle yeah um the chalk circle yeah so yeah it, it's all just this um like melting pot of so many different ideas uh, but anyway um so he can't get at her and then he keeps coming back and she anyway so the he threatens the father, and the father is like, "Well, daughter, like, please let me cut off your hands, or else he's gonna kill me." And so she said, "Okay, like, you know, I'm your daughter, so do what you will." And so, man, he, fathers he cuts are the worst. She presents, yeah, she presents her yeah. hands. He cuts them off, and she cries on them so hard that they become clean and so the wizard still can't get her because she's still clean and so um so anyway so he goes away in a huff and then but which is interesting she she tells her father like the wizard is gone so the threat is gone but then she tells the father i can't stay here anymore 
And in my mind, it's like, you know, Father, you have betrayed me, so I have to leave now. You know, like, it's, mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting, and, like, maybe she is strong, in a, you know, like, in, in a way, you know, that even though she's super dutiful and lets her dad cut off her right. hands, but... But anyway, so she goes away, and then she ends up marrying marrying a king, um, and then has a child, and then the king goes away to war, and then the wizard is, like, still around and, like, meddling in things, and so he intercepts a bunch of letters and basically makes it... He's trying to have the the king's mother the um, murder, or have the... The maiden without hands and her and the son killed but the queen doesn't believe the letter and is like you know even though it's forged you know signed by the king and she's like uh i'm not doing that and so she ha- tells the the maiden without hands and the son to let you know to flee the castle and anyway um but and then she happens upon the house of refuge basically well, I say House of Refuge because that's actually a, a thing in um, other stories, or maybe that's an urban legend, or I'm not really sure. But anyway, <laughs> it's a it's a but in this story, it's a house where there there's an angel and like uh, I don't know. What Is it the, like the White at. Lodge? <laughs> yeah, right. I know it's that it's so it's maybe that's a motif too, yeah. and throughout uh, folk tales. Is anyway, there's this house that is a safe haven. And so she lives there with her son for like seven years, and then you know the king has been looking for her because he learned that she wasn't dead, so he's been looking for her. And anyway, they re- they're reunited, and in the meantime, her hands grew back. Um, and then she made dinner for everybody, and everybody was happy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so there's a lot more to the story, but um. But also, but it's kind of interesting that the way that she meets the king in the beginning mm-hmm. or in the middle um, is that she is starving after she left home. She's starving. And remember, she doesn't have hands and she just has like these bundled up stumps. Um, and she happens upon this pear garden or pear orchard and pear tree orchard. <laughs> and uh, it's nighttime and an, an-, an angel uh, is helping her, but she she can't um, see the angel but anyway so she eats one pear just with her mouth like hanging it's hanging from the tree and then the gardener is so terrified because he sees the angel by this by the girl and so he thinks it's like I don't know spirit angel ghost I, you know just he's terrified and then the king counts his pears the next day he's like one's missing and <laughs> so yeah and so she and then the second night he ap- approaches her with a priest. He's <laughs> like, "Are you a ghost?" She's like, "Nope, <laughs> just just hungry." And then he's like, "You're beautiful. Let's get married." <laughs> the king, not the priest. Right. But anyway, so so that was kind of interesting. That's the imagery there, like nighttime, and I imagine like sparkly stars, and there's this glowing angel, and she's eating. You know, reaches up this dangling pear just reaches up with her mouth and was like eating this pear anyway so that's one of my favorite stories yeah and there that's the food in it a pear a pear (laughs) or two pears yeah that's nice i like these like single pieces of fruit that show up (laughs) yeah it's interesting because Yeah. yeah the like aside from a few stories like hansel and gretel um, it's if food is specifically said what you know what it is. It's usually a fruit mm-hmm. that is like apple and Snow White, or yeah, the pear in this story, or yeah, but or or juniper, I guess too, because that was that's also an ingredient. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Well, it's apples in that story that the kids are eating too, so mm-hmm. or attempting to eat. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm like, I don't know if you can hear the pages flipping, but I'm just I know, like flipping like, through. And there's this, and there's this. Yeah. The water of life, 
the story. Yeah, there's some that in the back of the book that I have um, that are very, very religious theme, like Christian themed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I think it, this was organized. The book I have is organized in that way. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I didn't yeah. remember as many religious references Fig when I read it. But then when, when I was reading them just now, I'm like, oh, there's quite a bit in here. It didn't really stand yeah. out to me as much the the first time I read it. Yeah, in in mine it's uh, in a section called the children's legends, and yeah, it starts with the legend of Saint Joseph in the forest. Yeah, and then yeah, so one of the stories is called God's food. And then there's um, the heavenly wedding, which I'm assuming there would be a feast in there. But uh, the hazel branch, and yeah, so there's a story called the crumbs on the table. Anyway, there are so many, like, I, I know I have read through this book in, you know, years past, but for the podcast, yeah, I was, I skimmed through things and then, and read all the way through, um, a f- you know, several of the stories, but there are just so many. Yeah, there really are. I was, I was kind of going back through and, like, I read them all years ago, but I was going back and spot reading, and almost every story I, I, I read had some mention of food. I mean, maybe not, maybe not yeah. anything specific, but, you know, they would eat a meal, or, um, or not have, like, so many of them, again, you know, they didn't have enough, enough to mm-hmm. eat. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, maybe we should get into our recipes. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh okay. I did want to mention. No, sorry, no. I'm I'm like drifting off into space here, like just looking at all these titles. Um, but the, I just thought it was funny. Um, Little Red Riding Hood. The, wait, let's see if I can find it. But it was because uh, Red Riding Hood's grandmother was feeling ill. Uh, oh right. Yeah, little her Little Red Riding Hood's mother said, uh, here, this is what the mother says to Little Red Riding Hood, come, Red Riding Hood, I want you to go to go and see your grandmother and take her a piece of cake and a bottle of wine, for she is ill and weak and this will do her good. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, yeah, right? It's like, whenever you're feeling yes. ill, have cake some cake and wine. And wine. <laughs> I wonder, you know, I wonder if Maybe she was just having a crummy day. Well, it's not like she could telephone. <laughs> or maybe that's like, like, I mean, it's it's like richer <laughs> than normal food, and so it, it'll, like, you know, res- Something yeah, hearty, restore your yeah. strength. You know, because I guess, like, usually yeah. if you're, like, a peasant or even middle class, you're just eating, like, you know, crust of bread, you know, water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, like, I guess, you know, maybe eating something a little bit more extravagant, I guess, would restore your health. So a cake and wine, and then of course you know more about hunger is the 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 wolf. This delicate little thing, this little delicate thing, would be a sweet morsel for me at last, and taste nicer than her old grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> but she would not satisfy my hunger. I must make a meal of them both. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, back to eating people. He's gonna take take what he can get. Yeah, so. So yeah, there's cake, wine, and peoples. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. So let's talk about our foods now, I guess. Yes, let's. Otherwise, we could just keep going. <laughs> we probably could. <laughs> there's so much. I'm like already drifting off and like reading pieces of stories, uh, like <laughs> and being quiet. Yeah, that is a rabbit hole we could go down. <laughs> I know. Speaking of rabbit holes, um, my my nineteen ninety two edition, which was based, I guess, on um, yeah, I'm not sure. There, there's several um, different illustrators. Illustrators. Um, mine has illustrations by Arthur Rackham, which which uh, are great. Yeah, who, yeah. You know, very um, famous. Who also illustrated yeah. Alice in Wonderland, so that's why the rabbit hole reminded me. <laughs> Yeah, and I have um, an illustrated edition of Rip Van Winkle um, by Ar- with illustrations oh, by nice. Arthur Rackham too, which is yeah. So he's he's done yes, a ton of quite prolific in the fairy tale folk in the folk tale yeah. and 
story, children's stories. Oh, I also wanted to mention um, soup. There's a, one of the stories. Uh, so I remember the story Donkey Skin, uh, but that's actually the, the French version of this type of tale. Um, but Cat Skin and Kappa Rushes and oh, the German one is, I'm not going to say it right, but but anyway it means like all fur um, but the the there's a princess and for various reasons in the different stories um, she has to marry her father the king um, so she escapes and disguises herself with animal skins or I guess kappa rushes that version it's um, like rushes and anyway um but she works in the kitchen, begins to work in a kitchen of a neighboring kingdom. And then there are these uh, nights that these balls happen. And she had these, she brought dresses with her, like these beautiful dresses with her. And so um, she would wear these dresses to the ball. She'd take off her furs, her disguise, and wear these dresses to the ball. And then, so this is kind of Cinderella-esque. Yeah, the prince would dance with her and think she was gorgeous. But she had also, because she worked in the kitchen, she had to make soup. For the prince and then she so she would like put her, she put her gold ring in one time and anyway so the prince would find oh, these items that she would she put in the him? soup mm. yeah and and i remember one of the versions i remember it was the the ring in the cake that the the prince found and then that's how he discovered you know who who the ring belonged to you know was was the woman he wanted to also marry, kind of but. cinderella-esque yeah, and also, and then also kind of reminds me of, like, King's Bread, you know, where you find the, well, I think usually it's, like, a little baby Jesus in the bread that's for, like, the 12 days of, of Christmas mm-hmm. and the, the wise men, the King's Bread. Anyway, but just, so there are these, yeah, of the something in yeah, the food. Yeah, or I, I made, a, I made a couple things around mm-hmm. Halloween. I made um, Mash of Nine Swords, which is, like... Um, mm-hmm like mashed up root vegetables basically but you hide a ring in that and then um barmbrock which i think is the irish um um halloween bread you can hide different trinkets in it and it'll kind of tell your fortune for the year you know like a ring a penny who's going to be rich the next year and then um yeah some different things that you can hide in them so that's that's pretty cool (laughs) yeah so anyways so yeah and that whole um yeah, similarities across across the board of those yeah those motifs and and types. Um, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so those were just sorry. I just wanted to throw those in, like some stories that um, you know food food played a part of the of the plot. Yeah. The story. Anyway, so now we need to talk about our recipes. Yeah. So go go for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I, mine comes from the juniper tree, which I already told the story. <laughs> but um, in some in some um, I don't know editions, it's also called the almond tree. Um, so mm-hmm. I decided to make baked apples, and I used um, juniper berries as flavor. And I found one recipe from let's see. A blog called Home Skillet, <laughs> which yeah, nice. it's, it's um, got baked apples with pine nuts, juniper berries, and orange. So instead of pine mm. nuts, I used almonds for the almond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for That's the almond nice. tree, yeah. and it was it was um, really good. It's basically you know you just core the apples and mix up some um, brown sugar and orange zest and nuts, and um, just bake them till they're soft, and they were pretty good <laughs> and so where did you get juniper, juniper berries? berries um i had aside from yeah picking them <laughs> no they didn't have them at my local um local store but i actually um got some just off of amazon a while back because i was making some kind of um i had made a soup um that that had them and it was like um a chicken soup with with apples and I think I had like chicken sausage and cabbage and stuff like that in it mm. and then just some juniper berries um 
in the broth for flavor. But this, in this recipe, actually, like, smashed them up, and just the fragrance was overpowering. <laughs> my kitchen, my kitchen mm. smelled like a gin and tonic. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it just, um, it has a delicious scent, and I was, I was looking up some other recipes, um, there's, there's lots of, of German recipes that use this as flavoring. There's, like, soups and stews. There's, like, a venison stew that uses them. Um, I saw um, recipes for sauerkraut that had juniper berries and apples in them, which sounded pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, so, yeah, it's just a, just a pretty common flavoring. And it was really nice in these apples. Yeah, it sounds really... I, I do like baked apples, but I've never had it that way. Yeah. Yeah, so you can use it in... Yes, yeah, sweet and savory dishes. This is good in. Yeah, it just has like a really piney, fresh scent. Yeah, it was really nice. So how about you? Well, so because I was kind of on the Rapunzel kick, um, you know, doing <laughs> research for, for my yeah. Fix My Food blog. Um, anyway, so I did a salad because in some versions of of Cinderella, or excuse me, of Rapunzel, um, it's that, you know, the, the pregnant mother, um, made a salad with the leafy greens, um, so I did salad, but also I made a pesto, a parsley pesto, so kind of, just, just like you did the, um, almond, you know, added in the almonds to, as a nod to the other versions, yeah, Yeah, so I did, uh, (laughs) parsley pesto as a nod to the the other versions of Rapunzel um but I also I put in hazelnuts kind of a a nod to (laughs) because I had them already (laughs) for making the hazelnut soup so (laughs) anyway yeah so it's um so I got because so the what is Rampion or Rapunzel it's you know, as I said, it's uh, also known as mache, and it is available here wild. Um, but but I wanted so I wanted to find something that kind of looked like that. So anyway, I just got a, a mix, but it's the wellness mix, and it has um, like spinach and miso or something. Anyway, it has little leaves that could possibly look like the rampion. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't, I'm actually googling right now because I don't even know what Rampion looks like. Yeah, I I have a link. It's, oh, it's got really pretty purple flowers. Yeah. Well, I have this link um, that we can put in the show notes, but it it has a little picture. But it's like lamb's lettuce. So if you look for la- lamb's lettuce okay. or mache, um, so it's a small it's a small leafy green. So anyway, so kind of the image I'm seeing is is kind of reminds me of like spinach or you know baby okay baby spinach yeah they look like really like soft yeah. kind of cur- curled green leaves yeah. um and so anyway so you, yeah you just make a pesto with uh, parsley and i also got hazelnut oil um because it has a really nice flavor oh that's yeah. delicious so that's yeah so i use that really oil nice. um in the pesto and and also some uh, shredded Parmesan cheese. Um, nice. but anyway, so you just toss it. It's super simple. Yeah, you just toss it together. Um, but then, so I guess this would be a bonus recipe. <laughs> I, I also <laughs> did, because I'm like, but my favorite story, is, or the one that's been most memorable, is the Maiden Without Hands. And so the pears, because it reminded me of... Um, I went backpacking in Europe, uh, I don't know, early 2000s, and uh, in Belgium, uh, in Bruges, Belgium, uh, I had my first, well, I don't know, it was my first poached pear, but anyway, it was the Bella Helena. Uh, It's a poached pear with... Well, I think I think I had it with vanilla ice cream and drizzled chocolate. But anyway, but that's based on. Oh my goodness, it's like <laughs> I don't want to get off topic, but like that's based on Helen of Troy, and there's a a play, okay. a French play, actually written by a a German-born guy. Um, anyway, so that's the there's a kind of anyway Greek mythology. 
and then a French play, <laughs> and then there's this food, this dessert called the uh, Beautiful Helen or um, Bella Helena. But anyway, so I made that for it to go along with uh, the Maiden Without Hands because because of the pair. Like that's how she met the king uh, was via the pear orchard, and so yeah, so it's poached yeah. poached pear. Uh, it's water, sugar, and the sugar dissolves, and then you put your skinned pears in and cook them for about, you know, covered in a pot um, for about 20 to 30 minutes until they're tender, and then make some whipped cream and this uh, nice chocolate sauce, German chocolate, of course. Of course. <laughs> and drizzle that on, and it's really good and it's it's sweet yeah i know that so you can delicious. do vanilla ice cream or i i chose to do the um just uh, not not very sweet um homemade whipped cream just because the sweet it's already very sweet because <laughs> of the, the, yeah. the syrup, but and a little, little bit of cinnamon in there yeah so nice. my two really recipes good. for <laughs> for that but yeah we could also make a gingerbread house and pancakes and soup with a ring in it and <laughs> sketchy yeah, there's lots of things yeah i was i was almost about like when we were talking about what we were going to make i was thinking to make beef stew um with with no. juniper berries for the juniper tree but i was like that's too morbid <laughs> Yeah. That's too morbid. I can't. <laughs> and besides, last last time I did a, a big hunk of meat too. I was like, uh, I need to do yeah, something yeah. vegetarian. <laughs> but yeah, I've seen like um, Snow White inspired recipes that are you know like all kinds of apple. Yeah, apple I was like, oh, I could do and, like apple um, turnovers. Yeah, or <laughs> I was thinking. Um, I thought about um, for the twelve dancing princesses. I was thinking like a lavender infused um, <gasps> wine, nice. like like a like a like a, sle- a sleepy wine. You know, like they give the um, the visiting. Prince. Well, it's so funny <laughs> that you mentioned that because so I skimmed through that story again, and the <laughs> is it is it the prince who is following the sisters on various, yeah, like yeah. He, on consecutive nights he like keeps following them and and then taking mm-hmm. proof back each time but at one, uh-huh. <laughs> one point so he's in the castle with them and they're all dancing with the well, does it turn out there it's that it's fairies or spirits okay there, there are like so many different versions I that i've read and i can't remember in my version it just says they're dancing with princes, but they're pretend but or be... like yeah right it must be but anyway so the guy he's so he's in the crowd dancing but like keeping himself out of their line of sight but he likes (laughs) at one point oh i wish i could find it so he's so he's being sneaky and then like the servants or you know of this magical place like put wine cups on the table and like every time they put a cup of wine on the table he sneaks it and and drains the cup and then puts it back (laughs) Right. So he's just getting <laughs> inebriated, like while he's. <laughs> so he's having a, a yeah. fine time. At I just his, thought it was know, really funny. Secret party, like that. That was yeah. added and, yeah, into and the, the story. And the youngest, <laughs> the the youngest um, princess is on yeah. to him, and she like think, thinks she's going nuts, and the, the oldest one keeps making fun of her for being so yeah. paranoid. <laughs> but I just thought that was so funny that they. I mean, a lot of these stories are sparse on details. Like, they just, it's mm-hmm. very matter-of-fact. They just, like, get down to, you know, the the plot and stuff. Yeah, and so when they do throw in a detail, it seems like it, takes it, you off it, guard, it really yeah. stands out, or it's really <laughs> random. Or when they give a character a name, yeah. you know, like, uh, so many times it's, like, the little girl or the princess, you know, but um, sometimes they'll throw in, you know, oh, she was named this. Yeah. Or... <laughs> yeah, it's really strange. So anyway, yeah, there's... So wine, yeah. And there's one story about the fisherman who finds the flounder, the enchanted flounder, so you could have... Do you remember that story? I forget what it's called, but it's the fisherman, and he finds this flounder, or he fishes, and he catches the flounder, and then the flounder is like, no, no, put me back! And so it's like, whoa, he Oh yeah, he like promises him (laughs) his wishes. Yeah, and and then the fisherman's wife, yeah, is like super greedy. She ends up being the pope, like... (laughs) And then she wants yes. to become a god, and then she. I read this yeah. pretty recently. Yeah, my daughter was was reading this one. Yeah, so she she asked for more Until and more and more, and then she you started, know. Yeah. Yep. 
So, so flounder. Don't be greedy. So make fl- <laughs> it's like, whoops, they ended up eating him anyway. No, they, di- they didn't, but I mean, but we could. We could make a flounder yeah, dish <laughs> to go along with the grim's <laughs> tails. Anyway, <laughs> I was just trying to think yeah, of like so all there's, the different. <laughs> there's lots of ideas. So we'll, well, yeah, we'll post our specific yeah. <laughs> recipes at our website, which is fictionkitchenpodcast.com. Um, we'll also post links to any articles we talked about, and all. Um, I think we have like several bonus recipes yeah. too that we mentioned, and so yeah, we can we can post this as well, and you guys can just go nuts on these Grimm's fairy tale recipes. Woohoo! You can email us at fictionkitchenpodcast at gmail dot com, and you're probably listening on iTunes. We'd love it if you would go give us a review or um, even just a rating. That would be great. <laughs> And we are also both on Twitter. I am at Carrie Roshit. And I am at Fiction Food. Yes. So thank you so much for listening and bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye.